Hello, everyone. Welcome to All Things Pilates. I'm Darian Gold. Arms come down. Make sure that front leg is bent and reach up, 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 up. Good. And again. And exhale and exhale and deepen your exhale as the carriage comes in. Our guest today is Sasha Koziak, a second-generation Pilates instructor who was certified in 1995 by Romana Krizanowska. Sasha opened her own Pilates studio four years later in Pasadena, California, and named it Powerhouse Authentic Pilates. Sasha's classical training attracted many students who were learning about the physical and mental transformation the Pilates method offered. Between running a successful studio and raising her two boys, Sasha felt happy and fulfilled. Though, as the months turned into years, she struggled with handling it all. She tried to remain positive and energetic both at work and at home, but by year 11, she finally accepted she had hit a wall. Something had to give. So she closed her studio and took a job in the fashion industry and later became certified in Cardio Bar. Cardio Bar provided income and a way to exert her unused energy. But this form of exercise came at a cost. Injuries. Sasha began sustaining injuries like never before, and she knew there was only one remedy. Pilates. Sasha is here to talk about what it was like for her to hit a wall and walk away, only to return more focused and determined to share the classical Pilates work she still possessed in her mind, in her heart, and in her body. Sasha says what she's learned from both her departure and return to Pilates can be applied to anyone who experiences burnout. Zooming in from Los Angeles is Sasha Koziak. <laughs> Hi, Daria. It's so fabulous to see you, Sasha. Thank so you. Great. Thank you for coming on to the show today. Thank you for having me. Well, before we delve into the burnout you experienced and your decision to close your studio, let's just start at the beginning of your Pilates journey. How, okay. yes. How did you discover the Pilates method? Oh my gosh, I was so young, Darian, but I was living in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. My husband at the time was going to film school and I had been a professional dancer in LA. So I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And um, I went to a Pilates studio. It was a woman called Diane Miller. She was like the Pilates lady of Vancouver. And she had a really interesting way of teaching. The first Pilates session I ever took the woman uh, knelt down next to the reformer and she got me laying down on the reformer and she spoke and told me, you know, what she wanted me to do. She didn't touch me. She didn't do any, she didn't put straps on the, the it, nothing. And she's talked me through the whole thing. And, uh, and basically they wrote it down on a, it was kind of like the, the little cards we've used before. And, um, and every day you would come for your session, you would, pull your card, go to your own reformer. You would reserve your, you know, and that's how I, that was my introduction to Pilates. And every now and again, they would, you know, teach you a new exercise. And I started at that studio. What was it about though, 
Pilates in general that got you hooked? Well, I mean, immediately coming from a dance background, it was just, I I felt like it just was an immediate uh, no brainer. It just went like my body just understood Pilates and there was a, just an instant, oh, this is great. It's like, you know, getting to study ballet, but you're so much more in depth. That core works. It, I, all I could think every single time was, oh, I wish I had been doing this while I was really professionally dancing. And I, I, yeah, that was part of what was missing from my dance training, really. I know a lot of dancers say that. Yeah, I think all of us do. Yeah. <laughs> how, did, how did you find Romana? So I wanted to study with that woman because I didn't know anything about Ramana. I didn't know anything about anything. I was up in Canada and I got pregnant and they wouldn't take me in their program. They just thought, you know, you're pregnant and you're, you don't know what you're doing. And I was also very young and, and I couldn't understand why they wouldn't take me in their program, but I guess I was pregnant. So it, but that I'm so grateful they didn't because that sent me on a research journey and I, researched about Pilates and what, what it was. And it led me to Ramana. And then I wanted to go to New York and study with Ramana directly. Um, but I interviewed people. I called a few people because there was a center in Seattle at the time. And when I called, I can't remember her name. I don't remember who it was. Uh, not Lori Coleman Brown. It might've been. There was a center in Seattle at the time. And that was pretty close to Vancouver. And I called there and I asked them what the difference in, you know, like why Ramana, like why this method? And they had so many good answers, whoever I spoke to. And even New York, when I called, I don't know if it was Drago's, this was so long ago, but they had answers to why the exercises were the way that they were. And they were answers, whereas I was getting just a whole lot of no from this woman in Vancouver. And I thought, this is who I want to study with. And then the lineage and the, and the history, and it started to all make sense. But um, yeah, I moved my entire family back to Los Angeles because that's where my husband and I had met. I had a four-month-old and I began the, the Pilates training program with Ramana at PAPT <laughs> in West Hollywood in August of that year. Oh, mm-hmm. blast from the past. Yeah, I was still, I was, I would was pumping, like pumping milk in like, I'd go to the bathroom, pump milk during the, during the training. It was amazing. Were there a lot of people in the training program with you in 1995? So hard to remember. Um, I guess there were probably, it was less than 20. Did you go through after me? I think I went one year after. I think you were the first. You were the I think first. I was. You were the first uh, group yeah. that Ramana yeah. worked with. Yeah, I think I was sort of like popping in and assisting Ramana during your group and trying to get my hours with Ramana to finish my, you know, so I could take my test. And she came out twice a year, correct? Yeah, about that. Maybe a little bit more. Sometimes, maybe three times to test people. Sometimes she would come out a third time, if I remember right. And then the continuing education. Yeah. Yeah. The, when there was enough people to do the continuing Can education. you believe that? I know. <gasps> I remember our program right after you, there was 
a little some kind of drama or something. Gee, what a surprise. Sounds, sounds familiar. And there was no place for us to do our hours in Los Angeles at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, I don't know. Did you do your hours at PAPT? I did. I did all my hours at PAPT and the way they had the program set up at the time, you had to do your first 200 hours, just observation. And then your it. And then if you were, if you were lucky enough, they would hire you and pay you $12 an hour when people were paying like $75 to take from us, we were making 12 bucks an hour. And um, then you could, after your 200 hours of observation, they would consider hiring you. And if they hired you and I was lucky enough to get hired, then my next 400 hours was there teaching. I mean, what I will call enslaved teaching, <laughs> but I got some great experience. I have some good stories from that time. And then, um, yeah. And then I still was, what I was trying to do was, push to get all those hours in so that when Ramada came the next time I could, I could finish with her teaching. I think it was you guys and then take my test at the end of that week. Did you know at that point you were going to open your own studio, even though it was four years later? I think I dreamed of it. Yeah. I definitely knew I wasn't going to stay working there. (laughs) For $12 an hour. Terrible. It was a terrible time. Yeah. I got, I just pushed on and got through it. It felt so bad for some of my other teacher friends that didn't get hired. They had to sit there watching me. (laughs) They're equal teach, you know, were the students that you worked with, did they get the work? Did they get it? The students at PAPT, some did, some didn't. There were a lot of celebrity clients at the time there. And, um, what is, what are you implying that they, they didn't understand. They were serious. They were good. They like were about their bodies. They were, they were really, they didn't want to chit chat. They wanted to work, you know? And I really enjoyed that. I had a, I guess I could say this. Um, one of the women I worked with regularly was um, Samantha Matheson. I always think about her. She was the girl in uh, Pump Up the Volume, like from years ago. Anyway, she was great. And she was like one of my main clients and it really built my confidence to work with her and we really clicked and yeah. Now, did, so I felt the clients were good there. Yeah. Did she follow you when you opened your own studio and how did that oh my play God, out? No, <laughs> no, no. It was like really hard to leave PAPT. I had to cut and go actually. Yeah, it was not, they, I played the game. Listen, I played the game so I could get through that. I needed the money and I was a young mom, you know, how that goes and stuff. So I, uh, I did that. And then I abruptly left as soon as I got certified, which was always the plan to get out of there. It was a very, very, and I will use an overused word, toxic environment. (laughs) So that means they weren't, they weren't appreciative and gracious at all that you were. I'm going to say straight up Kaz and Mindy are terrible people. (laughs) And I am fine saying that on this, on this, they were not good to me. I didn't see them be good to anyone. It was very manipulative environment. I wonder if they're still in the business. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So now four years later, you find a space in Pasadena because you were, where were you living? Well, no, I got, um, I, after I got certified, I took a, I took a hiatus. I went to Texas with my family for the summer, which is where I'm from. And we, um, we just took a break. And when I came back, I got hired at, 
at Zoe's Pilates Studio in Pasadena. And that was a wonderful experience. And I worked there until I opened my own studio. She was great. It was a great time. Did you have to sign anything in terms of no non-compete? Uh, I didn't sign anything, but I talked to her. about. I mean, we spoke about it, but that is the one thing in this, you know, I think at that time, I, I feel like it's different now, but at that time it was, you know, whoever studio it was, it was their client that you were teaching, even though you were the one that saw them three times a week or whatever. But yeah, it was, it was, we would just say, oh, you, she, she agreed to like these three, four people. I think I could, I could ask five people or tell them where I was going. I think it was something like that. It was, it was fine. I don't, yeah. (laughs) But I taught there for a while and it was a really positive experience. I, I was, uh, during that time I got pregnant with my second child. I was wondering when that second time. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now You've had your second baby before you open your studio. Or are you pregnant? I I had just had Bennett, my second child. And he was, when I opened my studio, he was, um, let's see, like five or six months old. Yeah. Wow. You took on quite a responsibility at that point. I had a lot of energy. I was young. <laughs> yeah. Can you take us through how you solicited clients and how, what was your overall vision for your studio? Maybe something that you saw or didn't see at PAPT or even at Zoe's, something that you said, oh, I know when I have my space, it's going to be like this. Sure. Yeah. Those are good questions. Um, It was certainly led by, you know, if you want, I, I wanted to Oh, that's, that's a, it's a tough question. I guess, um, I was ready to have my own studio. I I'll tell you this. I wanted to, Zoe and I really talked about becoming partners. She just wasn't ready and it would have been a great partnership, but you know, when you're, I don't know if you've ever been married, Darian, I I don't, I don't know, but when you're in a relationship, you've got this, I had this partner that had his opinions and viewpoints and they didn't always line up with mine, but at the time that's where I was going. I was, you know, I was seeking counsel of, of my husband. And I might've made different decisions had I been on my own and waited a little bit longer for Zoe to be ready. But also one thing flowed into the other. I I discovered this house that to rent it, it it was a commercial residential property. So to rent the house, you had to have have a business out of it. And it was in this perfect location. And it was so set up to have a Pilates studio and a home. And it just made so much sense that that's kind of the push that got it. And then also that I really wanted to name my studio Powerhouse and it was a house. So that also kind of like made me feel, and we made like the logos sort of the same as the roof line of the house. I remember. I was, yeah, I was into that um, vision. And I guess I got my clients mostly because of the, the schools that my kids were going to. There wasn't a time, Pilates wasn't totally saturated in Pasadena where I was yet. I watched it get there. Yeah, I I got my clients mostly from my kids' school and um, word of mouth. Like one client would lead to the next one, would lead to the next one, would lead to the next one. So that part wasn't so hard. And I will say this, and I wanted to mention this, Brooke Seiler's book, 
the Pilates body came out right around, right around when I opened my studio. And she was so great to put list everybody that had gone through Ramana's program in that book. And I technically was in Alhambra. My address was Alhambra. So I was a, I was the first one. And I think she even went on Oprah and talked about it uh, or something big like that, Brooke. And so whenever that interview would get shown or she, I would just get an phone calls. And so that was really cool. And I, I remember calling her and like trying to get a hold of her and just thanking her. And the one time I got to meet her, just telling her how, how I, I just thought that was such a gift. Yes. Yes. Just curious. I, I personally do not recall. Do you recall in your certification program, anyone talking to you about how to open a business, how to make your studio profitable? No, I don't think that was part of learning bodies. Yeah. Yeah. We had to, and I mean, we had to figure it out. We had to figure it out. Yes. Yeah. Let me ask you, when you walked away from your Pilates career after 11 years, it was, it was rough. I'm sure that at that point it was, but you segued into the fashion industry, which has also been part of your life. But yeah, tell us about that. Well, my husband, I, I say at the time, like I have another one, but he, <laughs> <laughs> my husband at the time, it's because we're not married anymore. His sister worked in the fashion industry. So when we moved back to LA, like I say, I was making $12 an hour. <laughs> so I would work, I, I went to work for her. She was the, she worked in fashion at the California Mart and ran the fashion office there. And so I did, I got all my training in fashion on the job. We did all of the markets that went on and all the fashion events and fashion shows. So it was about five times a year. I'd make a nice chunk of change and it wasn't too much of a commitment. And it really worked out well until the fashion office closed. And, um, and then also in that 11 year period, part of the decision to walk away from Pilates did have to do with my marriage ending. It was just, a lot to keep up with and how I got into fashion kind of again, or more seriously is I had a client. She lived in New York and LA. She was bi-coastal and she would go back and forth. And that's why she loved taking Pilates for me because it was the same. She would go to Pilates in New York and it was the same here. And she's still my good friend and client to this day, which is amazing. But anyway, uh, she needed an, some help on a job and I was still teaching Pilates and I thought, okay, I could maybe do some freelance work. This is a good idea. Supplement my income. And I, I started working for her and her main assistant couldn't work anymore. She was getting engaged and married and moving on. And Kelly and I just clicked. Like we just worked so well together and she was such a great person to work for, which is really interesting dynamic when I think about this is that we went from client teacher, student teacher to kind of reversed roles. She was really my teacher because this was a different facet of the fashion industry. It was print and commercial and much bigger stuff than I had worked on before and just different. And our her career was just taking off and she was just offering me work and work and work and work. And um, it just made sense. It just made sense to kind of go in that direction. 
Then cardio bar showed up. <laughs> what, Later, yeah. What is cardio bar? You don't know what cardio bar is? Uh-uh. I know what. You've never done no, you never done cardio bar. Cardio bar is like a. I mean, I think pe- most people describe it as like a ballet bar on crack. It's. it's Are you doing um, petit allegro at the bar for an hour? Not quite. No, okay. no. It's more like little little plie, pulse, 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 pulse. Push your, you know, tuck your pelvis forward, forward. And then you do like a flat back from the bar, and you lift your leg, lift your leg, lift your leg, lift your leg. Oh, you know, lots that, of that reps. Kind of stuff. They're, lots of reps really fast. They like speed the music up and hold this whole formula. But when I first took cardio bar, it, it kind of, it's like, oh my God, this is really hard and it's very exciting and fast. And, you know, I liked it. I liked, I liked it. It kicked my butt. Until? Well, and then, and then, you know, I, I collect certifications. So, so the man that runs cardio bar says you should take the certification class. And of course it was like the first one they were doing. <laughs> I took the class and it was three weeks of like everyday cardio bar and it was fine. It was good. Look. And then of course I went on to teach it. The hardest part about teaching cardio bar is that it goes so fast. It's a formula. So you have to teach it the way, like to the tempo and the, there's a script, you teach it with a microphone on all this stuff there's no chance you can correct anybody or help them get the form right. And injury occurs. And I think when I really started to teach, I can't not do that. (laughs) So I would do, there were certain things you have to demonstrate this side, but I wouldn't, instead of demonstrating, sometimes I would do one side too much and then go really around and try to just use my hands and my words while cueing the entire class to just help somebody. And, uh, I just didn't want people to get injured, which they do in cardio bar. And for me, I, it became a hip flexor issue, which I'm going to tell you to this day, I still have to work on that began at cardio bar. It's just too much on the, on the, on the tightening area there on and the not enough stretch on hip and yeah. Knee flexion. Yeah. Yeah. And not enough to stretch it out. There's not enough warm up, not enough cool down, you know, that kind of a thing for that type of, cause it, it is a cardio <laughs> workout. Who created but, this? Um, oh, I don't want to talk about it. Richard, oh, no. Richard Giorla. He's, it's fine. You know, a lot of people love cardio bar. And I think that if you know what you're doing, you know, you can probably keep yourself okay, but it shouldn't be something that you do all the time. You know, it's not a complete system. It just isn't. It's not a system. It's not a system. Yeah. Well, speaking, of, class. speaking of systems, do you ever recall any of your clients sustaining any type of injury when you were teaching them Pilates? No. Um, do, do I recall? I mean, I, I definitely remember people coming to me uh, injured. at various studios injured from having taken Pilates uh, even. You know, someone say, well, I, I don't know. I, I got this neck injury from, you know, and it was always just because, they didn't know what they were doing or it was a class or something like that. So do I remember anyone getting injured because of Pilates? I don't, I don't recall that. Hey, podcast listeners. I hope you're really enjoying my interview with Sasha. We'll get back to it shortly, but I wanted to take this chance to invite you to a special Pilates group class. September is my birthday month. And for this year, I'm giving a complimentary Zoom class. 
All you have to do is email darian at dariangold.com and we'll put you on the birthday list. Now, back to my interview with Sasha. What were your first signs of burnout? Um, I really thought about this question, obviously, because it's what we're going to talk about. And I think there were really three things that contributed to my burnout. And one of them in the beginning, it's like, you know how you can see the red flags laid out, but you kind of go, I mean, that's a red flag, but I'm just going to keep going. I, I really can see that I did that. And I feel like some of it was letting, allowing the client to take over the session. This is a hard thing to say, but really allowing the client to take over the session is something that if I, if it got, if that, you know, got too much momentum and then it became more of like, uh, I'm just someone for them to vent to or rattle. And, and they're like, they're, they're doing their, you know, footwork and then they go, okay, what's next? And then I'm trying to tell them, and then they're just getting back to their story while they're doing the hundred. And you're like, no, (laughs) you know, they're not focused in at all. But so if I could go back and as I go back and do things differently, I stay focused on the work now, but that, but letting even just a few clients and I would dread teaching sometimes. Cause like, I didn't know how to bring the dynamic back. I didn't know a lot of the things that I know now, you know, and, um, and then I would look so forward to the clients that were really focused on Pilates and really wanted to learn it. And those would be the clients that got me through my day. But I wish I had taken, you know, that was one of the things I think that definitely contributed to my burnout is just feeling like I didn't know how to take the power back, I guess, in a session. And then I think the other thing was the monotony is feeling like I had to be this good teacher for Ramana as though some, somehow she was watching or Joe from beyond was, you know, and that I wanted to honor that, you know, this is Pilates, it's the authentic way. And I'm going to make sure that, that this is the order. And I was really, uh, I was just, that's how uh, we were taught though. We were taught that way. Yeah. And I really, um, took that to heart heart. And I thought that it made me, <laughs> I thought that it made me better than other people, you know, like I thought it's like, this is what makes me better. And, you know, and I, and I guess, look, I still really honor it. I'm pretty much a stickler and I do stick to it, but there have been things that I have learned, you know, that I'm sure we'll get to a little bit that have made me realize that the intuition part of myself as a teacher and knowing how much I respect this method and how much I know it. And it's so much a part of in my body or whatever you want to say that I can use that a little bit more, my own intuition and working with who's in front of me, because I do think that's, that's truly what, what we're best at. And I think the third thing, and I'll just say quickly that contributed to my burnout was the running a business. It's wearing different hats, having to be the person that does everything and needing just whenever I think about the fantasy, like what made me go ahead and go, I got to get out of here. It was just craving partnership, business partner, somebody that ha- held and had a vision, even if it didn't align with mine, just somebody that was like, I want to do this with you and we're going to do this together. Um, you needed support. I needed support. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's rough. I did the same thing. Yeah. You know? Did you? Oh yeah. I opened my studio in in my home in 1996 and Mm -hmm. my second studio or third studio commercial space in Hollywood. I was there until I think 2014. 
you came to my studio. And I did. I, I did. I, I, I loved that. I scene. have a memory right now of you teaching someone stomach massage and you stood in front <laughs> of the foot bar and you kept having your elbows open out to the sides more to get the person in stomach massage this. one to understand that position. That's hysterical. I see, I see that Sounds in my like mind. Me. Yes. <laughs> And so you did hit your wall and you did step away. How did it feel knowing that you didn't have Pilates really in your life? You know, at first, I'm, I'm honestly, it was a relief. There was some relief, just like I was struck. My business at that point was struggling. My marriage had ended. My business was struggling. My, I was, I was going through some depression And I felt like, you know, I wasn't being the best version of myself, wasn't being the best teacher. And again, I didn't know how to handle it differently. Maybe I could have closed for a couple of weeks and just taken a little mental health time. And, you know, I I just didn't know what to do. And, and really what I needed was more consistency in income and the sort of like the universe just provided that with this client saying, Hey, come and do this. And so at first I felt relief. And I think I told myself things like, this is what I'm supposed to do because this is the thing that came along. And I think I did that for a while and sort of justified, well, that was a chapter of my life. It was a wonderful experience and stepping stone. But I I just, I had to like, I couldn't look at anything about Pilates. I had to kind of shut out of that whole, I knew that it tugged on my heartstrings to think about. So I tried not to. What about your clients? Were they? freaking out? Well, what's interesting is that I had taught my husband to teach Pilates with me. And then when our marriage ended, it was kind of just me again. He did not do that anymore for a while. And then um, he was the one that I said, hey, do you want to just take this studio back over? And so there were some clients that he maintained doing that. But I also think that his heart was never really, it it was in it. I mean, he gets the work and he loved it or whatever, but he didn't go through all the stuff that we went through, you know? And I just think that he was sort of doing that for the time being perhaps, but I don't know, he would have to answer to that, but I'll just say that uh, he kind of kept some of them. So they weren't totally dropped, but there weren't that many left at that point. And your apparatus. And it went, yeah, that's a. That's, oh, no. It, Did you mm-hmm. sell it off? No, I gave it back to him. He took, oh. he kept it. He kept it. I just, he just kept it. And uh, he had it until, I mean, I know you can see in my back corner until I got my reformer and my chairs over here back just uh, like a few mo- weeks ago. From him? Yeah. Was he holding them hostage? No, I mean, he was just holding on to them. Oh, okay. What about your Cadillac? He's still got it. I don't have space for it yet, but I will get it back. Oh, he's got space for it at his place. So I had, at the time that I moved, uh, that I quit teaching, I had my studio in a little loft space in a dance studio in Pasadena. So he took that over. And then when he moved into a house that he had all the space, he brought the equipment there and still it really just sits there. He, he still taught a few clients here and there. But, oh my yeah. God. People <laughs> listening going, oh, an unused Cadillac. 
right. what I could be doing with that Cadillac. I go over there and I use it. It's a Grotz Cadillac. It's gorgeous. Oh my goodness. No, I'll get her back. Yeah, I hope you do. I will. She needs you. You need her. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Nobody, you know, we're still in full lockdown here in LA. So nobody's really using it's any of their equipment. Unbelievable. Much, so. You're lucky to have your reformer right next to you. And you're there. I know. Keep you sane. Yes. yes. What, will you share with our listeners, what has been the most significant thing you learned after you left Pilates? What was the most, perhaps a, a life-changing moment or revelation that couldn't have happened if you stayed in the Pilates zone? Okay. I feel like going away and, and really trying to kind of like put it as a, like all the stories I was telling myself about what it, that this is in the past. When I started to sustain injury, just from life and having, you know, being a dancer that even if I would take dance class or whatever, just having like kind of, I've always had kind of had some knee issues, which is what Pilates really helped me realizing that the time in my life when my body felt the best was when I was teaching and doing Pilates regularly. And I could say, oh, well, I was young. I was young, which is what I would say, but it, I wasn't that young, you know, like I was through a period of time. And, um, and then if I ever hopped on a reformer just for a minute, it would feel like coming home. I understand those things. But I think the moment that really was a turning point moment was I was just at a play reading and I ran into, do you remember Alicia? Yes. Okay. I ran into Alicia because she circles in the same circles as me in this area. And I hadn't seen her in years. Well, maybe I'd run into her here and there and hi, hi, you know, but this moment we ran into each other and it was right when Ramana had passed away, right after Ramana had passed away. 2013. Yeah. And we were talking about that you know, just that Ramana had passed away. Was it 2013 or 2015? I can't remember. No, no, no. It was 20, 2013. 2013. I think in okay. August. I think. Yeah, it was probably fall, October when I ran into Lisa. Okay. We were talking about that and she's continued to teach as a studio, you know, in her home. And she taught a lot of the people that I used to teach and stuff like that. Anyway, we were talking about that and I don't even know if it came up in that conversation, but Lucy is such a lovely person, you know, it's so easy to talk to and it just feels like a colleague. But after I left that play reading, I remember thinking, oh my God, Ramana's gone now. I felt like I had a responsibility that I had all this knowledge and all this information I could be sharing that I wasn't sharing. And it started to wane on me. And I started to feel like, wow, this is, what am I doing? You know, I, I was a little bit, fashion never felt like a total click for me. It was something that came really natural to me. It wasn't ever, it just was there. And um, I do have some passion for it. And there are some things that are there, but I definitely am kind of one of those people that's always sort of searching and seeking for like where I'm going to land. I've kind of accepted at this point, that's just who I am. That realization that, wow, I have a responsibility to carry on this work felt, it hit me at my core. And eventually that pull is what led me back. And it was first, I started teaching at a studio in Pasadena that was not a, it was not a 
classical. I mean, there's a whole movement of classical Pilates where they sort of do the same thing that we do, but it's not the same thing. Like some of the exercises are the same, but um, they're doing it on balanced body equipment. Do, do oh, you know what I'm talking about with this? Not really. Are you talking about balanced bodies contrology line? They have a classical line now. No, no. I meant, I mean, um, they're contemporary. They, they have, I mean the, that people call their certification classical, but it, or when they say they teach classical Pilates, but I've learned that that is not the same Pilates well, that I teach. That is the buzzword and it has been for a while. Okay. So maybe they're just buzzwording, but anyway, uh, so I went back and the, my, the, one of the reasons I didn't go back a lot was I didn't know how to work on a five spring reformer. I don't know what that stuff is. All those adjustments, everything moves around Cadillacs that convert into reformers and yada, yada, yada. And I just think about Ramana every time I think about that. Cause she just like hated all that stuff so much. <laughs> she just hated anything that like moved around and adjusted. And I think I definitely take on that, but I was like, all right, I'm going to loosen my grip here. Let's just go back and put a toe in the pond and see if, See how this feels, you know? And I'm like, I can figure out how to five springs work. So I, so I, so I did, I worked there and Darian, oh my goodness. People, ha- one client says to me one day, teaching her, one of the first people I taught, talking her through the hundred on the reformer. And she could, she gets finished with it. And she goes, oh my God, that felt so good. I haven't done that in years. And I go, because you've been away from Pilates for years or, you know, she's like, Oh no, I've been taking here for years. I'm in at a different street. Like she had never done the hundred. I'm like, then you're not doing Pilates. Like if you're not doing the hundred, you're not doing Pilates. That's a great tagline. <laughs> right. Nobody knew the series of five. Nobody did any mat work. Um, Uh-oh. So I kind of became this teacher that people would dread because they like the watered down stuff. People like that watered down. They like the weird there's some kind of crazy thing that goes like all these watered down sort of, and then I got up on my high horse and I was sort of saying to myself, this is so interesting. I I was trying to be curious and fascinated about it because you've got people using the spring equipment and they're just making things up that are based sort of in Pilates, but they're, they're doing, exercises on Pilates equipment, but they're not Pilates exercises on Pilates equipment. Does that make sense? Completely. I I kind of go back in my mind to like the whole idea that Sean Gallagher, and I don't necessarily, I'm going to say I support whatever he was trying to do, but I do understand that he was trying to say, look, this is based in Pilates. This is Pilates based unless you do this, that is Pilates, you know? And of course that didn't work out for anyone, but, but I get what he was trying to do because Everybody says that they do Pilates or that they teach Pilates. And a lot of it is similar, but it's not all Pilates in my viewpoint. When you left Pilates, for you, your experience of leaving and having to leave, truly, the most significant thing was, and maybe Licia was put on your path to come back into what is in your heart. but it must have been a profound moment to realize oh no 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 this is this is what i'm destined to do this is why i sought out ramana this is why i stuck through it 
Yeah. This is why I knew at some point I would have my own studio. And now you're back teaching the work, but from a very pure, unjudgmental, maybe less rigid way because you've matured and you had to go away. I had to go away to kind of find my love and connect back into the passion and the love part for this work and how healing and complete this work is. And a lot of it has to do with, I mean, there's so many things, but I will say that the, the, there's resistance involved, like that there's the, the, the spring, there's so many good things about this work that I don't think I would have appreciated if I could, if I didn't have that break, I have an appreciation for it again, because my physical body coming back to it. So when this whole COVID thing happens, I had been teaching at that other studio, but it was not a right fit for me. And, and so when this happens, I really did not know what I was going to do. I wasn't thinking that I was going back into Pilates. A friend of mine was like, offer a Pilates mat class on Zoom. And I thought, I mean, I guess I could. Like, who's going to come to it? Had you heard of and, Zoom? Um, yeah, I, I'd heard of Zoom, but I'd never gone on it. You know, I never really tried it, anything on it. I mean, I'm pretty much a Zoom expert at this point. Do you know that after today's class, it was 97 Pilates mat classes I've taught on Zoom? Fantastic. And done. Because now, you know, I'm like, and it's like the creativity to, yeah. I mean, I've been teaching five days a week at 1130 on Zoom every day. Fantastic. I know. Sasha, in closing, in terms of this um, experience of being burned out and all that that entailed. Do you have advice for those? Maybe they're not even Pilates instructors. Maybe they're yoga instructors. Maybe they have an office job. But mm-hmm. when someone starts to feel they're out of sorts and they just, their heart doesn't feel good. Do you have any advice for those who sort of feel stuck? Yeah, yeah. Um... I wish that I, yeah, I guess the advice would be to, to um, notice it, to really take a pause, to take a pause if you can and search to see what's important to you. And, and, and then if you discover in that, in that journey with yourself that well, you know, it's a power struggle with my clients or it's whatever you discover, there's a solution and you have that solution, you know, within you. And, you know, whether you, whether you write it out or talk to a really good friend, that's actually a very supportive person in your life that can just listen and, and help you connect back into your own truth. I think that's the most supportive thing anyone can really do for another person is just help them find what's true for them instead of like telling them, Oh, do this. Oh, do that. I think at those times I was easily influenced by this is, this is the best thing for you to do right now. And I was listening to the voice of others and not finding my own. So it'd be taking the time to see if you can find your own truth. I love it. <laughs> Pretty I love cliche, it. But. No, it's true. <laughs> I love it. Sasha, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you, how, how can people reach you? 
You know, I'm I'm at Authentic Pilates with Sasha on Instagram and Facebook, and that's probably the best way to find me. The other thing I wanted to say, because you asked this earlier about clients, I have a handful, five clients that all took with me, some of them even back from uh, Zoe, but certainly from my first studio that I had, Powerhouse, that are on this Zoom with me, Zoom journey with me. I love it. One of them is 86 years old and turned 86 during this Fantastic. She's lucky to have you. Thanks, Darian. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. Okay. Talk to you. Okay. If you're appreciating this podcast, why don't you give me a little love and write a review? It really helps others find the show. All Things Pilates is produced and hosted by me, Darian Gold. Podcast production is provided by Audio Ephemera. I'm Andy, the audio engineer for All Things Pilates, and I'm also a student of Darian's. My Pilates practice has strengthened my core and, more importantly, given me a new awareness of my body and its abilities. Darian doesn't hold back, but it's fun, and I always leave my sessions feeling energized. And I'm not the only one. Darian is more than just a teacher. She is committed to seeing you improve and get results from your working with her. Even her group online classes make you feel like she is working one-on-one with you. You can just feel her index finger poking through the screen into your gut, telling you to pull your belly in. Whether you work with Darian live or online, she will always be challenging and fun. Yes, she's more than just a teacher. She's also an investor in your well-being. Darian's Pilates knowledge, experience, personality, cueing, and expert eye are second to none. Every session is a complete delight, and I learn so much every time. Darian's teaching involves the whole body and the whole mind, and is an experience I would never want to miss. I am much more in tune with my body, much more aware of how I use it, and much more appreciative of what it does for me. I feel energized, focused, and very happy. Visit DarianGold.com to view her online class schedule. Also, try one of her apps, available on the App Store or Google Play. And to keep up with Darian and all her new interviews, subscribe to this podcast. Until next time, it's okay to pause.